This episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. Whoa, 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 whoa. You thought that Jaws was the greatest shark attack movie of all time? Find out how wrong you are on today's episode of that song from that movie. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin host, Dietrich. And today we're joined by the deepest, bluest, his hat is like a shark's fin, Alex. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> you see, is it, and it is hat, isn't it? Because I thought at first that it might be head, because that <laughs> song makes more sense. Does it? <laughs> but maybe it makes less sense. I don't know. We'll get into it, I suppose. And we're also joined by the deepest blue is his highs like a shark's fin, Ben. <laughs> of all the amazing l- lyrics in this song, you've gone for the, what, the first. <laughs> he repeats it so many times, I felt like I too had to repeat it so many times. Okay, well, I think it's that you're doing it uh, a bit of a dirty. <laughs> what have you been watching this week? What have we watched? I've watched a couple of things, so I watched the Cats movie. Oh, God. <laughs> It is as bad as everyone said. It really is, isn't it? I feel I feel like it was so bad that it will eventually become like a cult film. I don't know what you guys think on that on that front, but mm. I, feel, I feel like it, it was so unusual to look at that it yeah that it, it must become a cult film. Otherwise, I just there's no point going on anymore. <laughs> it's a proper fever dream, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. I mean, trying to put a narrative to what something that has no narrative. <laughs> It just like thrusts you in with no explanation as well, and I feel like it needs so much explanation that you just you just lost for the entire film. And you're like, "What's the Jellicle cat?" They've mentioned it many times. <laughs> also, the, I just feel like the size of them is so off. Like, how tall are these cats? Because some things are just huge. Like, the, it looks like there's like a, a dustbin at one point that's maybe the same size as them, and later on, it's like fifteen times bigger. <laughs> I think I think the entire film though could have just it it would have been about a thousand times better if they'd simply just not CGI'd it and just put them in lycra. Do you yeah. know like the, the yeah, stage I show? Don't, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't have been good still, but it would have been immediately better. <laughs> and you know maybe just use like real sets, but I don't know. It was it was pretty bad. The other thing that we watched was something called Behind Her Eyes, which is like a Netflix TV show. Never heard of it. it. Is heard of that. Weird really weird <laughs> it has the most strange and bizarre twist in it you'll ever see in a tv show that's guaranteed but it's not they're actually cats <laughs> <laughs> yes and this is where it comes in cool. it's kind of i don't obviously want to go into it because you, anyone does want, want to watch it but it's uh it's unexpected but not in a good way it's kind of <laughs> it feels really like awkward like cats yeah so yeah that's what i've been watching what about you ben 
Not much. I've been I finally finished watching Mindhunter, which I've been meaning to finish for a long time. The David Fincher series about the FBI profiles, uh, and then I watched Whiplash again. That's about it. Which is a very easily digestible, very good film. Dave, you watched anything? Uh, I'll let you guess what I've been watching. PUBG. Correct. Moving on. <laughs> Correct. No, no, this this podcast has dedicated way too much time to PUBG. So today's episode is the Better Than Jaws movie, Deep Blue Sea, featuring LL Cool J's seminal hit, Deepest Bluest, brackets, Shark's Fin, close bracket. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Ben. Lovely stuff. So we're going back to October 1999. We'll pick some slightly offbeat news articles here, and this is definitely one for the UK-centric audiences. So Braintree in Essex is declared to have the ugliest collection of people in the UK by travel writer Bill Murphy. And apparently he, he specifies that this is outside of Wales, just to just to accentuate that point. Um, he claims such things as the town's women best resemble sea monsters, and the only good thing about it is the M11 heading south. If we have any listeners from Braintree, please let us know if this is true. District councillor Barbara Buchan said... At the risk of sounding big-headed, I don't think I look anything like a sea monster. He clearly hasn't given the town a chance. Do you think Freeport Leisure would invest a million pounds in Braintree if it thought the town was in decay? Well, Bill Murphy, he never responded. (laughs) In other news, the controversial Sensation Art Exhibition, which I'd heard of before, opens in New York and London by Young British Artists, which is an actual moniker, not just young. British artists, um, and it features works such as a giant portrait of serial killer Myra Hindley, made with casts of infants' hands. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course, as you would. As well as a Black Madonna depiction of the Virgin Mary, made from pictures of female genitalia and elephant dung. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just a typical sort of art exhibition. Despite cries for it to be banned from New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, everyone's favourite <laughs> New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, still around, the exhibition was incredibly popular with the public and the New York Times, our favourite newspaper, published a long list of celebrities including Susan Sarandon, Steve Martin and Arthur Miller and many others who supported the work and its message. Now another piece of work with a long list of advocates is the 1999 sci-fi horror film Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> What a segue. (laughs) What a segue. (laughs) Directed by Rennie Harlan and starring Thomas Jane, Samuel Jackson and the Uncle L himself, the future of funk and (laughs) self-proclaimed goat, LL Cool J. Set in an isolated underwater facility, the film follows a team of scientists and their research on Mako sharks in an attempt to help combat Alzheimer's disease. Instead, (laughs) very much instead, what they actually do is make super smart sharks that go on a rampage and flood the facility. Spoilers. There's going to be a lot of spoilers. <laughs> so the film is considered to be the greatest shark-based film of all time. <laughs> by who? <laughs> um, by LL Cool J, probably. <laughs> Was this only at the time of release? Because I assume that Deep Blue Sea 2 and sorry, 3 are better. Sorry, I've got in brackets here, shot outside of Amity Island. Okay, that's important to note. Oh, yeah, um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not shot in 1977. 
On a budget of $82 million, it made $165 million during a busy autumn blockbuster period. That included The Sixth Sense, The Mummy, and The Haunting. What do you guys think of this film? As a member of a, let's say, mildly successful movie podcast, I should be saying that this is terrible, right? Wrong. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's such, an, it's such a great journey with genuine surprise in some scenes. I don't want to jump on it too quickly because I'm sure Ben's going to take us on a ride for this entire film. <laughs> Get ready for a three-hour podcast. It's going to be the longest episode ever. Let's quickly go on to Alex's opinion. Go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Crack the knuckles. I, what I would say off the bat is that I don't regret watching this film. <laughs> that's, 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 a great, that's a great review. <laughs> and like... I mean, there's so much you can talk about this film, so I don't know what I don't know if to even go into any of this or not. But I think you already touched on on the the, the general plot there, Ben, about them uh, trying to extract this like protein from a shark mm-hmm. in order to cure Alzheimer's, <laughs> and they accidentally made the sharks into super intelligent <laughs> killing machines. And it just it just reminded me. I don't know if you guys have seen that like Dara O'Brien uh, comedy sketch about the film 2012. And, like, there's this line at the beginning to explain what happens in the rest of the film, which is just that the neutrinos have mutated. And I feel like this is exactly the same. It's just yes. like, yeah, we we accidentally made the shark's brains bigger, so now they're really intelligent. And then let's just see what happens next. Aren't they trying to combat Alzheimer's disease in the Planet of the Apes films as well? Oh! I'm pretty sure that, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah cause it's his dad, because it's uh, James Franco's dad. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, clearly, we. <laughs> this is a rise of the deep blue. Yeah, it's all well-meaning, and it ends terribly. I think in the films, in like Shaun of the Dead, it's GM crops. It's interesting that you but... defined it as a sci-fi at the beginning. I, I don't oh. know—is this sci-fi or uh... <laughs> was it meant to be sci-fi? I was not going to quite work out. I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are they trying to make this realistic? Because I can't tell. <laughs> uh, surely not. I think the the nineties was all about having fun. <laughs> Um, well, this film is definitely fun. I think that's one thing you, you, you can't deny. Now, both of you, even though we are 90s kids, you've just recently saw this, right? For the first time? Yeah. Yeah, about two weeks ago, yeah. Oh, shameful, Today. shameful. Do you think as children, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, you would have enjoyed this just as much? I think I would have thought this was cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sharks are so shit in this film. <laughs> the CGI oh my is God, it's terrible, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe at the time it would have been like, oh my god, look how realistic those sharks are. <laughs> As opposed to now, where it's pretty much the opposite. It's almost comical. It's funny how certain films, like you go back and watch Jurassic Park, and it's not too bad, you know, from like six years ago. Because it used animatronics? What did they use in this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like uh, the original Mac. There was a part at one point where it wasn't even like the shark, it was the shark moving quickly in water to demonstrate how much faster it was than the other shark. <laughs> Even that was crap. The bit where like the, sh- tried- the two sharks eat the other shark is terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so much. <laughs> the one thing I would say, though, is the sets with the water are really? pretty incredible. And the stunts, some of the stunts are amazing. There's a part where presumably LL Cool J is stuntable, gets like flushed through like a corridor. I was like, that looks genuinely like he could be about to die. Yeah, that looks like it actually hurts. I'm yeah, pretty like, sure. slams into a wall at one point. I'm pretty sure. It's either the Abyss or the Titanic, but it, one of James Cameron's sets for one of those water-based films was used for this. So yeah. I guess they had a lot of, you know, they had a lot of use of probably a much better film with a much bigger budget. <laughs> <laughs> 
But still, 82 million is it's an expensive film for the time. <laughs> now, as you were watching this, did you think, and I'm sure you did, that one performance in particular was central to carrying the weight of this narrative? <laughs> is it the parrot? I don't know which way you're going with this. <laughs> which way am I going with this, D? It's going LL Cool J. Yeah, it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah. I think LL Cool J, said, before you go into it, Ben, because I can sense that you're going to... He had a much bigger role in this film than I anticipated. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. Especially from the way the movie starts. You think, oh, it's yeah. just like a throwaway gag that he's the chef. Mm. Yeah, yeah you, you expect him to die very early on. Spoiler, he doesn't. <laughs> he becomes a shark. He is instrumental well, to this plot. But it's interesting, it it's interesting you say that, Alex. Because director Rennie Harling forced the studio into hiring LL Cool J because he wanted a character who could bring in quotes, a lot of warmth and humour to the film without it being a joke type humour. Because when I think of humour, I think of LL Cool J. He also <laughs> said LL Cool J was originally, in the original script, was going to be shark meat early on. But he was so good, apparently. They kept him around. Everything after that first scene is, is just ad-libbed. <laughs> he was just going for it. He, he even brought his own parrot. He filmed that entire scene in the oven just by himself. <laughs> Method. Uh, yes, Sam Jackson was originally intended to play the role of the chef, but apparently his management didn't think it was good enough for him. So they made they made the character of Russell Franklin the sort of money bags character. You have to admit as well, the scene where he dies is very good. That is fantastic, isn't it? You, you do not expect that to happen. It's very Drew what? Barrymore in Scream. It's very Drew you Barrymore don't... in Scream. He's the Did only big character. Don't... Expect it to happen. I expect it the to guy happen because he stood specifically next specifically warns him. He's like, oh, don't stand next to that giant gaping hole of Yeah, water. but it's like, I've had it with these motherfucking sharks on this motherfucking sea base. Super quiet layer. And Stellan Skarsgård's character left studying sharks to go and study astrology in sense, and then that is preluded to Thor. He is playing the same role, isn't he? <laughs> he likes playing, yeah, he's smart, slightly foreign. I think that's what the sort of American audiences take to... In fact, a lot of the actors in this film are just playing the roles that they always play. Like Michael Rappenpaw, his name is he, just plays <laughs> yeah. himself, yeah, exactly. as he does in everything. But no joke, various critics of the time praised LL Cool J's performance as standout, saying his blend of Bible talk, smack and wit worked very well, and it saw him as a potential new action star, which they predicted very well for NCIS. <laughs> <laughs> where LL Cool J is still today <laughs> that show is very popular too popular really mm, yes very much so probably because of all the warmth that he brings to it the warmth and humour but not jokes humour just humour was it me or did like the ca- the crew in this film as, it, as the film went on they seemed to care less and less about the members of the crew died <laughs> like at the beginning it was like oh my god that guy the scientist is dead let's let's you know let's panic and then, like, it was like, yeah, and the ones died. I mean, this isn't being just spoiler, I suppose. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. When the woman dies at the end. Like, what is she doing? Why did she jump in the water? <laughs> and, and she just died. That was, that was genuinely the only surprising part I felt about that, though. was when she was like, yeah, she jumped in the water. It was a diversion. And the shark just killed her. <laughs> it was like, all right, okay. Why did she do that again? <laughs> I, I pre- in the original script, she gets away. Well, that would, yeah, I mean, that that's what I was expecting to happen, so that's why it was yeah. genuinely, like, uh, a bit of a twist for me. And as well, to be fair, I do think she deserved to die, because everything was her fault. 
So I'm guessing that's why they made that change in the script. But yeah, how obvious is it that she's the bad guy, though? <laughs> the shifty looks and everything. Yeah. But yes. I mean, we're, we're, we're diverting here from the true point of this, which is LL Cool J. So please, Alex, can I bring you back <laughs> yeah, no, to, so the, to the central <laughs> point of this film? Please do. Please now, obviously, when you're getting LL Cool J, you know you're getting a two-for-one deal. Of course he can act. But apparently, he can also sing. <laughs> so he recorded two songs for this film. One we really don't care about because <laughs> the other supersedes it and then some. And that is the song that plays over the credits, the first song, which is the brilliant, deepest, bluest, open brackets, shark's fin, close brackets. Now, listeners, if you were aware of this song, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm surprised. If you are not, pause this, go to YouTube, watch the music video, you will not be disappointed. Return to us and enjoy in the dissection of a hip-hop classic. How good was that? <laughs> exactly. There you go. You weren't disappointed, were you? So before we go into the history and lore. Of which there is a lot. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not pushing. I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not pushing. <laughs> Maybe I'm setting myself up to fail here. What do you guys think, Alex? <laughs> Why did you start first, in fact, first, Alex, what did you think when I suggested doing a podcast episode on the song Deepest Bluest? I thought it was odd. I, I must admit. A film that neither me and Dee seen. A song that no one, not just me and Dee, but anywhere has ever heard of. <laughs> by, by an artist who's kind of been irrelevant for at least, probably before <laughs> this song was released, let's be honest, since the 80s, I imagine. So yeah, um, I thought it was an odd choice. Dee, were you sceptical? I was sceptical until, I don't know, 10 seconds into it. <laughs> and at that go. moment, I knew it was the perfect choice. <laughs> I thought it was ballsy, actually, of LL Cool J to release a song that close to the end of the millennium in an attempt to have the song of the millennium. <laughs> the song of the millennium. Brilliant. That's alluded us slightly to Dee's view of this song. Alex, come on, give us an insight. Well, I wasn't keen, I'll be honest. I, enjoy- I enjoyed it. I almost spat end. out my beer. <laughs> I enjoyed it over the end credits. And I, I'll be honest, I don't really understand what it's about. Is he saying he's a shark? Is he saying he's like a shark? I don't. I didn't understand the, what the song was about. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but I've given it a go. So if you've still not listened to it, I would I, describe I, this as a slip and sliding hip hop onslaught in which LL Cool J is attacked by ten thousand gallons of water while he pontificates as to whether he wants to kill you or have sex with you. <laughs> There we have it, guys. The greatest sentence ever said on the podcast. In brackets, shark's fin, close brackets. <laughs> it is the Hey Porsche by Nelly of the late 90s. What a claim. Um, and Nelly would accept that. So, the song was never officially released. <laughs> what? It can't be found on LL's YouTube page. It isn't on Spotify. And any mention of it on the internet is limited to Reddit posts of surprise that it exists. <laughs> People are going to Google it and get this episode, guys. That's smart. That's smart marking that, though. We've slightly alluded to the video. Guys, what do you think? Where is the song I was confused by? I mean, the video I was confused by as well, but I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed the visual spectacle. Visual spectacle. I'll go with that. 
Yeah, now knowing what you said about the song, that makes the video more confusing because, like, he's saying his hat is like a shark's fin, but at one point in the video, he turns it into a shark, and it, yep. <laughs> and they're like looking at the glasses. The scene from the film where the shark attacks him, but it's not a shark. It's that little cool just swimming through the murky waters <laughs> and slams into the glass. <laughs> it's like, I'm so confused. Alex, I Alex, he's like, a shark of the rap game. Oh, okay. Is that, is that what it's a reference? To? I haven't got a clue, Alex. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> Like I said, I'm pontificating. <laughs> the only other thing I had on it really was that I I enjoyed his like sort of like gimp gimp like S and M sort of suit that he had on, and it was uh, it it was it kind of reminded me of of that Liberty X video. Really, time. I think Work. wearing Kevlar has come back in recently in like the the rap hip hop grime game. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is where it originated from. Is it like a deleted scene from Twin Peaks? <laughs> Alex, is it a deleted scene from Twin Peaks? It is, yeah. There we go. You heard it here first, gentlemen. Hey, everyone. Just a quick message here for our US listeners. This episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for that trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful, with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co forward slash away that's podgo.co forward slash away away travel here to make your journey seamless so we've got a lot more to say on this but first we need to delve deeper to understand the enigma that is ll cool j so first were you both aware of this man growing up i assume so yes yes yeah yes that's why i want a chorus of yeses thank you gentlemen how many songs can you actually name by LL Cool J? Oh, probably on um, pretty much none. <laughs> <laughs> I can say things like he's in that song with J Lo. Yeah, that. which is which is what um, all I have. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. oh, and deepest bluest, you can't have that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot name any other LL Cool J song. There's uh, there's some that I have in my head where he's like wearing like a red hat and red tracksuit bombs. <laughs> So oh, yes, that his, narrows it down. His, his, his general look from like 1985 to like the early 90s. <laughs> well, until Deep is Blues, yeah. When he decided to copy Liberty X for some unknown reason. I don't think he's copied Liberty X. <laughs> no, Liberty X might, might have copied him. Even though he self-proclaims himself as the GOAT, he is a pretty big deal. <laughs> And but I was the same. I can't name that many songs. The only one, other one I could name before I looked into this was "Mama Said Knock You Out." Do you know that one? No, is that his? That, yeah, exactly. I think that's the case for a lot of his songs. But you go on YouTube and you look at any of his late nineties, early noughties songs, and they had a lot of similarities in the videos. LL's got his top off, gold chain hanging. He's somewhere tropical, maybe Florida or California. And there's often a harem of scantily clad women dancing around for his enjoyment <laughs> while he raps about wealth, fame, success. Mm-hmm. Good things coming threes. 
I kind of put him in that Ja Rule Flow Rider bracket. <laughs> Maybe Flow Rider was a bit later. But oh, yeah, LL, Cool J was, <laughs> LL Cool J was a pioneer of hip-hop, which I never really knew until I watched the Beastie Boys documentary. I think the Beastie Boys actually gave Rick Rubin LL Cool J's demo. Wow. So Def Jam Records, when it started, um, by Rick Rubin and is it Gene Simmons. From Kiss? No, no, that's why I'm thinking it's not Gene Simmons, it's someone Simmons. Alongside Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, he was basically one of the pioneers of like b-boy hip-hop and like a uh, new school of hip-hop, which I never re- at all knew. His first single, I Need a Beat, which came out in 1985, basically got Def Jam the distribution deal with Capitol Records and led Def Jam to be sort of like, you know, the, the phenom that it was. Just kind of stripped back rap, which the sort of artists that came before, like the Sugar Hill Gang <laughs> or Grandmaster Flash, artists like this didn't really have. So he was like seminal. I think he was the first to do like a rap love song. He was the first to do like a Californian rap song, a bit like what Tupac made famous later on. He's got two Grammy Awards for best rap solo performance. Multiple platinum selling albums and yeah basically a pioneer of rap <laughs> which from my opinion as a child was not the person i knew of and none of it really shows itself in deepest place <laughs> <laughs> that's where i'm getting back to one of his songs and here's the connection so one of his big hits i'm bad which is a huge b-boy hit from 1987 where he's trashing the current rap game here's one of the lyrics mcs can't win i make them rust like tin they call me Jaws. My hat is like a shark's fin. Oh. Whoa. Twelve years later, deja vu. He's referring his own song. It all makes so much sense. <laughs> Apparently, when he's referring to a shark's fin, what it is basically referring to is, similar to how you said, Alex, LL Cool J was almost always in the 80s and early 90s seen wearing a black or red kangle. Doesn't really look like a shark's fin, but I can kind of see where he's going. It's posh. From the right angle, it doesn't. a kangle doesn't have the same impact nowadays as it does, or it did in the 80s. But I can dig it. Jesus. <laughs> now that's just one amazing lyric in this phenomenal song that is Deepest Blue is open bracket, shark's fin, close bracket. Do you have any other favourites, guys, before I delve into some of them? I think, Ben, just crack on. Dive right in. Okay, <clears throat> these are just some of my personal favourites. I'm not the aficionado on this song, but I probably am. We dueling with the mind, you're blind, crippled or crazy. You're real easy to find. Struggling to flow, with hemorrhages in your throat. Getting the lap dance while I smash through your boat. <laughs> Yeah, so you see, it's, uh, I did remember the hemorrhage part because it's like, oh, because the other guy at one point says, I've got a hemorrhage in my arm and the shark will be able to smell that through my skin. And I was like, and then I heard it in the rap. I was like, oh, it's a callback to the boat. <laughs> and then obviously the boat bit, the boat is at the beginning, so. Genius. Genius. So, so in the in these parts, is he a shark? Again, <laughs> I strug- I'm struggling to know, yes, what, what, what are you LL Cool J or are you a Mako shark? He spends a few lines identifying with the shark's predatory nature. Yeah. <laughs> only to make <laughs> it to super weird with some shark on human um, sexual imagery, such as your life vest is off. And that turns me on. <laughs> Again, I don't. What are you wanting to do, LL? <laughs> but this is the thing I think LL Cool J was never satisfied with just being a rapper. He's always pushing boundaries. He tried to set up his own hip hop label and recording company. It failed, but he tried. 
He tried to set up his own clothing label. It failed, but he tried. He tried to start an acting career. I'll leave that for you to decide how that went down. I mean, pretty well, as we've said about the NCIS thing. I've never watched an episode of There's NCIS. There's been 40 ever. seasons of that now, haven't there? Yeah. Has he, has, does he have any other film listings to his name? SWAT. Yeah, SWAT. he's in SWAT. Yeah. He's in the film Toys with Robin Williams. I think that was his first film, actually. Um, he's in. A, he's also in a film that just came out before this. Oh, what's it called? He plays a guy called, like, God, which <laughs> he probably <laughs> self-cast himself. It's terrible, whatever it is. I forget what it's called, but it's terrible. Deep Blue Sea 3. In all seriousness, is this a so bad it's good song? Or is it just a plain bad song? Or is it, like D put it, <laughs> the song of the millennium? Are you putting that to us as a genuine question? Oh yes, I am, but I really want to know. <laughs> it's one of those things when I, I sometimes lose myself in excitement. I can't tell if I enjoy this out of sheer enjoyment or I'm enjoying it because I enjoy ripping it like a shark. Ooh. That wasn't even a no, guys. That's how good I am. Um, obviously, I made the joke about it being the song of the millennium. It, it, it is actually in the so bad it's good category, which suits the film. So if it's designed to be a promotional song for the film, it succeeds. Do you know, very recently, I think as of two weeks ago, LL Cool J was nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For this song? And did this side this song? Not for this song. <laughs> He was one of 16 nominees, and he currently sits, because you can see the rankings, at a very healthy 15th on that list. So, you know, (laughs) that's not bad. I think none of people who were voting for that have heard the song. (laughs) Ironically, the only person he's higher than is (laughs) Jay-Z. Jay-Z has often said that that LL Cool J is a mockery to the rap game. So, in your face, Jay-Z. Where's your your episode? Yeah. I know I've asked this a lot, guys, but this song, it stands highly in 90s creature features. You know, big, unusual, fighting against some monster animal. But I'm asking you, what actually is the top five creature features of the 90s? Of the 90s? I forced that segue, but I had to. (laughs) (laughs) Top five. (laughs) Five. Anaconda. (laughs) Anaconda is number one, D. What? (laughs) Hang on, I've got one. Deepest bluest. <laughs> what? It's called it's Deep Blue Sea. Oh, sorry. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea's not in this list. I mean, I'm guessing Godzilla might be one of them. Um, Godzilla is number five. Ooh. Ooh. Was eight doing well? You might eight... actually do well at this without Elliot Good Freaks was in the 2000s, Alex. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> we... <laughs> As big fans of David Arquette, you should have known that. <laughs> Ballys have got one. Godzilla. No, I'll take that. Come on. Oh, uh, Tremors. Tremors is number two. D, you're killing it. I thought, did we not say that Tremors was 80s? I, I mean... Tremors was 1990, Alex. Oh, it was 1990, right. Yes. That makes sense. yes. So you've got two more. Come on, you're doing well. You're doing well. Is 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 Predator, does that count? <laughs> is that nice? I think it would, because technically on this list, Alien Resurrection was eighth. So Predator would have counted, but I think Predator is the 80s. They're actual animals, not... Oh, you know, I see. Okay. Weird. Although I think... <laughs> I think number four is an enlarged animal. <laughs> number three is just a lot of animals. Number three was a film that made me not be able to sleep on the floor for several months. But it's not eight-legged freaks. <laughs> <laughs> on the same lines, Alex. Well, it is spiders. Arachnophobia. Is Thank you. Number three. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> just guessed a word. <laughs> I felt like I'd heard that that was a film. <laughs> 
Just guessing fears. Number four, very similar to Anaconda, takes place in a jungle. And it's an enlarged animal. Personally, a much superior film. Yes, enlarged animal, real animal. Bet not a gorilla. Is it a gorilla? No, it's not a gorilla. I was going to say it's not Mighty Joe Young. (laughs) 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 Big cast, Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman. The only film I can think of in the 90s with Bill Pullman and his Casper. (laughs) I'm guessing it's on that. No. It's a water-based animal. An alligator of some kind? Yeah, come on. Come on. Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Hogan is not... As as much as you'd like to think, Alex, Paul Hogan is not an animal. (laughs) I don't know a film with a crocodile. Oh my god, you don't know. D, come on. Two words. Big croc. (laughs) Lake Placid. Is that what that is? <laughs> Honestly, God, you guys call yourself 90s kids. Honestly. Did you not watch Channel 5 growing up? I got Anaconda, didn't I? <laughs> Fine. Do you got the top two? And I, I mean, I got the other two. One, you know, I still am waiting to be impressed in a top five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the main revelation I had from this film, which was how to make an omelette. Did you guys know this? Uh, I didn't. I, I'm not a big fan of omelettes. Well, so, I mean... <laughs> There's a part in it where, where Uncle Joe's character is sort of like leaving a video message behind in case um, anyone finds it in the future and wants to know what happened to them. And then he ends the video with, we will start with the perfect omelette, which was made from two eggs and not three. Amateurs often add milk for density, but this is a mistake. Now I feel like when I've made omelettes, I've added milk and usually use three eggs. So now I'm going to try the LL Cool Joe technique. <laughs> the LL Cool as it's known. I don't usually add milk. You're not an amateur like me, then, do you? No. I feel like when I've added milk, though, it's never been for density. <laughs> do you also have to wear a kangle while you make it? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. I really, of all people... Have your shirt off. <laughs> I, I, I think you could pull off the kangle, Alex. Really? Yeah. No, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lying. Anyway, it's time for the ultimate question. Oh, sh- oh movie God, or this song is too this difficult. Week. This is too difficult. Yep, Deep Blue Sea versus Deepest Bluest. <laughs> Open brackets, shark's fin, close brackets... Ben, clearly you need more time to think about this. So, Alex, do you want to go first? Yeah, the film. <laughs> it was good, whereas the song was it wasn't. <laughs> Simple as that. The film surprised me. The song did not. Like... The song did not surprise you. <laughs> when I sent you this link, you were you were just like, "Yep, that's what I'd expect." <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah. I mean, not quite. I mean, I didn't <laughs> didn't expect it to be so blurred between whether he was a human or a shark, but. <laughs> I mean, it made it surprise me that I expected both to be bad and the film wasn't and the, the song was as bad as I expected it to be so I was surprised in that sense I mean the content of the song definitely did surprise me I can't deny that and what about you Ben? I just don't honestly know if the shark genre would succeed without this film I think this is song <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah what has done more for the shark genre this song or this film I mean in all seriousness, once you get past Jaws and this film, is there many other good shark films? I've never seen The Meg. I've never watched The Meg. <laughs> is there a Street Sharks film? A street Sharks? There is not a Street Sharks film, unfortunately. No, the TV show was good, though. It was. It was Jawsome. It was Jawsome. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, what about those Sharknadoes? Are they good films? I've never no. actually ever watched one. It feels like you've not watched that enough shark films to, to be able to judge whether Yeah, there's... you know what? That's true. <laughs> you need a shark week, though. Yeah, to be fair, that's a big deal in the States, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you know what? To respect that group of people, I'm going to have to say Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement. You've got you've got to go for the film. As good as 
as good. I, I'm doing inverted commas, but you can't see that because this is an audio medium. But as good as the song is to make fun of, the movie, I think, is an enjoyable romp. So, movie. So, if I've counted correctly, that's 3-0 to the movie, right? Yes, it is. Sorry, yeah. sorry, LL. But he's in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know on Twitter which one you think is better, the movie or the song. What is our Twitter handle, Ben? You can get us at TSFTMPod. You can help the podcast in a multitude of ways, but the funnest way is on Reddit by sharing this on a random subreddit. And what should that random subreddit be, Alex? Well, I mean, it's not it's not random, dude. There's only one obvious choice here. It's r slash ladies love cool James. <laughs> what, the full thing? Yeah, because I'm sure that the people in there are committed to the full thing. Sure, we never gave him his full title, did we? <laughs> ladies <laughs> love cool James. It's not very cool, is it? No, it's really not. But it probably was in the 80s if he wore a kangle. True. Uh, so you can help us on Patreon, and you can help us by buying merch, but you can also help us by giving us a five-star review I was going to say if you enjoyed this, but even if you didn't enjoy it, still give us a five-star review. <laughs> it's a contractual agreement now. You've listened this far, you have to give us a five-star review. People if do you've it. already given us a five-star review, put your feet up. <laughs> put the kettle on. You've, you've done your job. So uh, all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. I feel like this quote from the film really sums up Ben yesterday. You wait your whole life for a single moment, and then suddenly it's tomorrow. Oh, oh God. And goodbye from Ben. Always respect the brackets. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Quotes I've got on this list. We're the we're this close to the reactivation of a human brain cell. <laughs>